Praise God. I believe that covers everything. If you're watching us online, we welcome you this morning. We're so glad you have tuned in to join us, whether it's live or archive. Praise God. Amen. I think I covered everything. Praise God. It's good to be back in the swing of things and removing the holiday fog out of our heads. And uh, we can finally have church again. Praise God. If you've got a Bible, would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. And I know it's been the holidays, so we're going to get caught up for a moment on our Bible reading. For those of you that haven't picked up a Bible since Thanksgiving. So if you would allow me for a moment to read a little scripture today. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, but which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. Notice that, this is not where we're going today, but you can't give unless you first received. How that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. And that he was buried and rose again on the third day according to the scripture. And it was seen of Cephas and the twelve. After that he was seen above five hundred brethren at once. Everybody say five hundred. Of whom the greater part remain into his presence. But some are fallen asleep. Seen of five hundred. But some are fallen asleep. And if you would turn back in your Bible. Go left to Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, verse number 12. Acts chapter 1, verse number 12 says this, Then he returned, then returned they unto Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And they were come in, they went unto an, into an upper room where abode both Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, Zelotes, Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women. Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, and then there's a parenthesis there that says, the number of the names together were about 120. 120. Praise God. I want to talk to you for a few moments today on this subject. Follow me. Follow me. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with patience this morning. I want to take a quick step back, if you would allow me to, this morning, and take a a big picture before we drill back down into what was said here. There is estimates, and there's really no way to fully document it, document this 100%. And so these are estimates that, that range wide, widely. So what I tried to do in my research was pick sort of the average of what was said. In no way, I don't believe this is the exact number. Uh, so if you find a number that's different from that, there's plenty of them out there. But they estimate that during the time of Jesus, there were some 2 million Jews living in the region where Jesus was, in Palestine and in the surrounding areas. Total population of the Jewish people at that time has been estimated 
to be close to even 5 million if you count everyone all over the world that was Jewish. But in that region especially, they estimate there could have been upwards of 2 million Jews alive during the time of Jesus. If you drill down even farther than that, they estimate that the population of Jerusalem during the time of Christ would have been somewhere around 80 to 100,000, give or take or few. And there's wide estimates even on that number. And sometimes during the festivals that would take place on the Jewish calendar, that number would swell to the hundreds and hundreds of thousands in the city of Jerusalem. So those two numbers for a lot of us seem very arbitrary, but I want you to look at it within the context of this. You have a a Savior that comes, and we just preached about it, we sang about it, we celebrated it last week. We have a Savior that comes to earth, that's born. And for the first 30 years of his life, he lives in relative obscurity. He, He lives partly in Egypt as he's fleeing from 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 things and he comes back and we see a glimpse of him for just a brief moment of his life at the age of 12 as he's in the temp, as he is in the as he's in the synagogue and he's and he's reading the scrolls and then he puts the scrolls down and sort of walks off into the into the darkness for 18 years at the end of that period of time he reappears and and his ministry begins it begins uh, sort of kind of prompted by his mother at the at the, the wedding ceremony where he turned the water into wine. And so for the next three and a half years, this ministry that was, was, was basically in obscurity, hidden away in a carpenter shop, comes out of the shadows and, and takes over the world. And, and, and I didn't have the time to do this. It'd be something interesting. Maybe one day I'll have the time to do it. But I'd like to go down through all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and try to count how many people that you could estimate from the accounts of the Gospels came in contact with, with Jesus. We know at least two occasions he fed 5,000 and fed 4,000 on two occasions. We know that there's many times the Bible says the multitude, the multitude, the multitude, the multitude. Whether that was 10 or 100 or 500, we don't know what that exact total of those multitudes were. But somewhere as you begin to look throughout the Gospels and you begin to add up piece by piece, and you begin to count here and count there, and this encounter and that encounter, you start to get a picture of, there was a lot of people that knew Jesus. A lot of people knew or heard about him. A lot of people knew that he was a healer. A lot of people knew of the miracles that he was doing. I mean, come on, in a city of Jerusalem during that period of time, that was, that was one of the main things going. When you hear about this man that's turning, that's turning water into wine, he's healing blind eyes, he's going down to the pool where all the sick people are, and people are getting up carrying their beds, people start to hear about that and take notice. And so, if you take that during the three and a half year ministry of Jesus, you can begin to paint a picture of there are thousands upon thousands that hear of Jesus. There are thousands, I imagine there were, there were, there were literally thousands of people that simply wanted to find a place to get a vantage point and see that person. I, I've had some, some, some opportunities in my life just in traveling and doing other stuff, even in, sometimes around the area to come in contact with people that, that we would term to be celebrities. And just, you don't talk to them, you shake their hand, but you glimpse them. It's a cool experience to see somebody famous. I, 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 I'll never forget years ago, 
during the 1996 Olympics. Some of you would know this name, some of you don't, but there was a sprinter by the name of Michael Johnson. He took the world by storm in, in, in his discipline, very well known. About a year and a half after that, we were, we were on vacation. My, my family was on vacation. I was living at home at the time. We were on vacation, and we were coming off. We were, we were, we were at, on a ski lift to go up to look above. It was during the summertime. We went on a ski lift to look above the mountain. We came back down, got off the ski lift, walked around the corner, and he's standing right there. And it's like I remember as I was, I think, 17 at the time, I was enamored by just seeing him. He didn't know who I was. He didn't even look at me. But I saw him. I imagine a lot of people felt that way about Jesus. I just, I got to see what this guy looks like. What is, I mean, this, this guy is. So you begin to paint a large picture. There are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people that Jesus came in contact with. But he goes to the cross, one of the most public trials ever held in Jerusalem. He goes to the cross. He dies a very public death. During a period of time, the the Passover, Jerusalem would have had a population of hundreds of thousands because everyone coming to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And he walks down the, the main street of Jerusalem carrying a cross. People would have seen him, known about that. Goes to the cross and dies. We know that. And three days later, he's resurrected and lives again. And, 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 and we read in Corinthians that he appeared to at least, we know, 500 people saw him. If there was somebody that was documented to be dead three days and showed back up here proclaiming to be the Savior, I'm listening for a minute at least. Here's a man that was publicly executed and three days later he's walking around and was showing himself to 500 people. So how do we go from hundreds of thousands to tens of thousands all the way down to 500? But when it finally comes to the, 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 the fulfillment of who Jesus really was, and his ability not only to abide with us, to, but to abide in us. When he finally is able to ascend into heaven and stop being with us, but now have the ability to send his spirit to be in us. How in the world do you go from thousands who seemingly, if I would have seen that, and you and I would have sat there, in our minds we think, how could you have not been a part of that after seeing visible, visible manifestations of miraculous things taking place where men who had not walked in 30 plus years suddenly get up and begin to walk. Blind men who had not seen in numbers of years could see. As he walked by places, people were just being healed one after another. And 5,000, 5,000, 5,000 people watched him take five stale pieces of bread and two smelly fish, break them and feed a crowd of 5,000 with so much food that in the end they had 12 baskets left over. How can you see all that? And then as it gets farther down the line, you've got 500 that are witnesses, not just in hearsay, but visible, eye on eye, manifestation, saw them with their own eye. It wasn't a rumor, but saw them. 500 saw him alive but we go all the way to acts 
we have 120. The very reality of this, and I don't want to say this to be doomsday. It just seems to be the reality. If the Lord tarries the next 10 years, the reality is that the person sitting on the right or the left of you won't be here in 10 years. Not because they died. But somewhere along the way, they drifted back into the crowd. I look across every Sunday and I remember faces that used to be here. You know faces that used to be here. And I know there's a myriad of reasons and I'm not going into that today. There's plenty of it. But bottom line is, there was 120 people out of the thousands. You see, Jesus was never interested in the size of the crowd. He was more interested in the size of the commitment. He was never, he was never trying to build a crowd. I, I, I want, I, 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 Faith, my desire, is for us to be as big as we can possibly be. But the number of people in a church is not equal to the commitment. Because there were times where Jesus spoke to the crowd. And he spoke to the crowd with the purpose of trying to weed out those who were committed. He would speak to the multitude and he would heal them to draw them in. But he drew them in for one purpose. To find out who were going to be the true followers of me. Who's here to get a need met and who's here to find me. Because you see, of those thousands of people that saw Jesus, they had one thing in common. They knew him and saw him and have a relationship with him based off one thing, a need. Because they were always looking for a need. They had something to be healed, something to be touched, something to be blessed. Healed, 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 healed. But when you boil it all down, the 120 that were left were not those that were living in a need world. But they were those who had connected with him and had a relationship with him that went beyond simply meeting a need. And there are people that are here today, and I'm not saying anything negative about them. I'm not trying to put anybody under the bus. There's a lot of things that have happened in lives, and I'm not saying that so Please take that within context. But there's a lot of people that are not here today that their whole existence and Christianity and their walk with God was based off getting their needs supplied. And as long as God was supplying their needs and making their life good and making everything right, they would come to church. They would lift their hands. They would smile. They would worship. They would talk to people. They would bless. Hey, good to see you. God is good. But the moment it dried up and God stopped becoming a need God and stopped back and say, okay, are you going to follow me because of the need? Are you going to follow me because of me? All of a sudden now they're not so happy anymore. I don't know about worshiping anymore. My life's a mess. God's not doing this. He's not answering that. He's not doing that. Why, why, why? Why is this important? Because I'm not interested, and hopefully you're not interested in being a part of the thousands or even being part of the 500. But I'm interested in being a part of the ones that are going to be there to see the glory of God manifested in its full glory. I don't want to just hear about it. I don't want to just read about it. I don't want to just witness it by what you've said. But I want to see it with my own eyes. Feel it with my own heart. Witness it in my own spirit. Something down in my heart today. 
is crying out, God, I want to see you in a greater way than I've ever seen you. And I, I got needs. We all have needs. You've got needs. I've got needs. We've got needs. We've got prayer lists that are long that we can't even put in our pocket because they're too big. We've got needs. But the fact of the matter is, is that all if we ever do is seek him for the need, we miss the true meaning of follow me. Follow me. Does that mean God can't supply your need? If you're a guest here today and you've got situations and difficulties in your life, does that mean God doesn't care? Absolutely he does. Yes, he does. And if you would give the opportunity today, not only I, but, but the majority of the group in here today would stand here and testify of how God has supplied needs in their life. Whether it's through healing, whether it's through blessing, whether it's through financial things, whether it's putting family back together again. We could testify of the ability for Jesus to meet needs. But if all you ever experience of Jesus is what he can do for you through a need, you're missing out on who he truly is. Because if you seek for the miracle, you miss the miracle worker. But if you get the miracle worker, he'll bring the miracle. I want to say that one more time. If you seek for the miracle, you'll miss the miracle worker. But if you seek for the miracle worker, he can bring the miracle. There's a very famous scripture. It's the shortest scripture in all the Bible. I preached about it before, and I don't want to go into that today. It's off the nose, but we're following the Holy Ghost. It's found in John chapter 11. It's very simple. It's two words. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. There it is. You want to... Here's your first scripture to memorize for this year. Here you go. Ready? Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. There you go. One down. 17,242 to go. There you go. You've at least memorized one scripture. Check on the resolution. Going to memorize more of the Bible. Start there. Jesus wept. And there's been a lot of reasons. A lot of people have talked about why he wept. But if you drill down in the story, you begin to realize why he wept. Because he comes, and I, I don't have time to get into all this today. It wasn't my intent, but the Holy Ghost is pulling us this way. He shows up to the, to the funeral of a man named Lazarus, who was his friend. He was friends of the family. He shows up, and his two sisters, Lazarus' two sisters, uh, Martha and Mary, show up basically, and, and, and I'm giving you the abbreviated of the abbreviated stories, but they basically show up, and they say to Jesus, listen... Our brother's dead, but if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. It's your fault. You're, you're the one at fault here. If you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. What are you doing? And so we find this kind of conflict, and he begins to speak to him. He says, wait a minute, I'm the resurrection and life. Wait, wait a minute. If I would have been here, he wouldn't have died. Guess what? I'm here. It doesn't matter he's dead. I'm here. But they were so caught up in the miracle that they neglected to see the miracle worker was standing right in front of them. So many times we get caught up in what God's not doing that we fail to realize he's here. We're so frustrated with our life and so disgruntled about the way things are going that we sit down and we cross our arms theoretically in church and we're thinking, well, God, you know what? I'm here, but I'm not doing anything because you're not doing anything for me. And he's standing right here going, but if you'd let me, I'm here. Wait a minute, God, if you would have, uh, if you would have, if you would have, uh, 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 
listen to my prayer, I wouldn't be in the predicament I am. Lord, if you would have done this, I wouldn't be here today. If you would have done this, I wouldn't be in this situation today. If you, if you, if you, if you, if you. And he's saying, wait a minute. I'm standing right here. And they're sitting there going to him. They're saying, listen, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. If you would have been here, he would have been alive. If you wouldn't have been here, we wouldn't be crying. If you would have been here, we wouldn't be going through all this mourning and suffering and difficulty. If you would have been here, he'd be alive. And he's like, wait a minute, but I'm here. And I'm the resurrection and the life. Instead of saying, if you would have been here, you should have said, Hey, now that you're here, he's dead, but we know that you're the giver of life. And all it has to do is for you to speak the word and our brother can live again. But because they were seeking the miracle and not the miracle worker, they totally missed out. And the Bible says that a group of them got together and they went down to visit the tomb and the morn at the tomb. And this is where Jesus wept because a lot of people say well, he wept because he was overwhelmed by, by the emotion of the moment and seeing them weeping he wept but no that's not the context of the story why did he weep he wept because he realized that he had had a group of people that missed the whole meaning of why he was there he knew that here were people that were following him simply because he was making their life Good, comfortable. But he knew there was coming a time shortly after the resurrection of Lazarus when the world was going to fall apart. He knew he was about to be taken into custody and all of the followers that professed to know him and how great he was, all of a sudden now they're going to be put out there. Were you with Jesus? Were you with Jesus? Were you with Jesus? And he's thinking, listen, if you are only following me for what I can do for you, When it gets difficult, you're not going to be here. And the Bible says he saw this and he wept. Those of you that ever dated growing up, maybe you've dated now, whatever stage of life you're in, there comes a certain point in time, especially if you're the, if, 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 if in, for a man in the relationship, there comes a certain point in time where you, you know it's coming, you're preparing yourself for the time, you're trying to think of the plausible, correct words to say. But you know there's going to come a point in time when the woman looks at you and says, we need to define this relationship. Where is this relationship going? We need to figure out what this is. What, what, what is here? What, what are we? What kind of relationship? And you know it's coming. And if you haven't come up with the proper response for this, you're about to get it yourself in some big, hot water. Because that woman wants to know, listen, are, are we just doing this over the weekend? Are we just friends? Are we, are we heading somewhere? And I want to stop for a moment this morning, and I want you to kind of take a step back. And I want you to define your relationship with him. Is he just a good guy that you, you know, gives you something to do on the weekends? Instead of sitting at home today, you can come. Is he just a nice guy, hear about, read about, talk about? Or is there a true relationship with you? Are you just an admirer or are you truly a follower? Are you just somebody that likes to hear about Jesus and you talk a good game? You know, you, 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 you got the part down, but really, truly, are you? And I know this is... 
Maybe not the most uplifting message for a lot of us, but it's just the real rubber meets the road idea. The bottom line today, are you just a, a terminology used today, are you just a fan or a follower? Are you just somebody that is cheering for Jesus, but you're not really truly following Jesus? If you look through the, the Gospels, you'll find that there are many examples where Jesus put people into situations where they had to choose. And Jesus said this, Luke chapter 9, verse number 23. He says this, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. It's one thing to wear a cross, but it's another thing to bear a cross. Hallelujah. There's a lot of people that walk around as Christians wearing a cross, but there are very few people that are willing to bear a cross. There are plenty of Christians that talk the right thing. They pray over their meals. They do this, they do this, do that. Got that right. But are they truly following him? How do you follow him? First of all, you've got to deny yourself. That in the 21st century is a bad idea. Whoa, wait a minute. You want me to deny myself? Whoa, 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 preacher. You, you, okay, listen, I got the whole thing about Jesus. I understand that. Okay, we need to follow him because of him and not follow the need, but follow him. I got that. Okay, I, I can buy that. But now you're saying that you want me to deny myself. Deny myself? And then after I deny myself, you want me to pick up a cross and follow him? And that cross doesn't have a carrier on it, doesn't have a padding on it. It's just a big, heavy, wooden burden. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't you realize, time out, don't you realize the world we live in, our world Preacher, don't you realize it's built on convenience? We don't want to do anything nowadays. We want to push a button. We want to do this. We want to pick up our phone. We can do everything. We can shop. I mean, I did so much Christmas shopping from my phone. I didn't have to leave my house right there on my phone. You can do everything now with that convenience. You want me to leave the convenience? Wait a minute. You don't want me to ride the elevator? You want me to take the stairs? Oh, wait a minute. I love the sign at the hospital. Those of you that are going to Anne Arundel in the parking garage, I know it's there. I don't know about the other parts. There's a sign on the stairs. It says free exercise. I love that. I love that. It's awesome. But wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Why do you want me to take the stairs when there's a working elevator? Come on, preacher. Do you know how much work it is to take one step at a time? I want to get in there with Jesus, push the button, and go straight to the top. Nice and easy. This whole idea of one step at a time with you, Jesus. One mountain at a time with you, Jesus. One landing at a time with you, Jesus. One floor. No, oh, no, no, no. That's for those back in the day when they were walking with sandals and skirts on. Not for us today. You know, we live in a modern society. We want to, hey, come on, Jesus. Get me in this. Ooh, Boop, boop. Oh, yes, we're here. All right. This is awesome. 
That's the kind of Christianity we want. Look at Luke chapter 9. Go down to verse number... Let's try 58, 57. Luke 9, 56. <laughs> One of those. Uh, next verse. Oh, there we go. Got it. 57. And it came to pass that as they went in the way... There's some problem right there. We are in the way. A certain man said unto him... Lord, now watch this. Don't, don't, don't give away my punchline. Who's up there? I can't see. I see your eyes. Don't give away my punchline. Hold it right there. He says, Lord, I will follow thee. This is so noble. It's even in King James noble. I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Boy, doesn't that sound good? That sounds so noble and just. Oh, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. I mean, I imagine he said that and he was expecting Jesus just to turn around with a big smile and says, come over here and give me a hug. I'm so glad you're willing to do that. But watch what now, punchline, next verse. But Jesus said this. <laughs> Jesus said to them, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man hath not not where to lay his head. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. This man just gave Jesus this noble response. Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And you would have thought Jesus would have said, okay, let's go. I'm going over there. You follow me. Jesus turns to him and gives him sort of a cryptic message. He says, well, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the son of man hath not where to lay his head. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The man says he's going to follow you wherever you go. And your response to him was, look, foxes have places, birds have places, but I don't have anywhere to lay my head. Really? That doesn't seem to add up there. But somewhere in the exchange when Jesus turned around and put his eyes on that man because the Bible says he doesn't look at the outward, he looks on the inward, right? So when he saw that man, he knew what was coming out of his mouth, what matching what's in his heart. And his response was, you're following me for the comfort. Foxes have holes. Birds have nests. But the Son of Man doesn't have anywhere to lay his head. If you're following me for the comfort, sometimes a walk with God isn't always comfortable. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Wherever, wherever you go, I'm going to follow you. Okay, great. I'm just letting you know. There's going to be times where you're not going to have your prayer answered. There are going to be times where I'm going to do things you don't understand. There are going to be times where you're in situations and you need me, but I'm not going to show up when you snap your fingers. And the guy said, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't sign up for that. Whoa, time out. I, I didn't. Because we don't hear anything about this guy. This little snippet Luke gives us is the only thing we get of this guy. And it sounds so good, Brother Barr. It sounds great. I'll go with you wherever you go, Jesus. That's us today. Boy, I'm here. I'm at church, preacher. What do you expect? I'm at church. I could be home right now. Sit back, watch a newspaper. I got, I'm here. I'll go with Jesus wherever he goes. Great. In this world, you shall have tribulation. Whoa. I, I thought I was supposed to have righteousness and peace and joy. And every time I close my eyes and say something, the Lord's going to do it. I thought that's what's supposed to be about. Name it and claim it and blab it and grab it. 
That's what it's supposed to be about, right? I'm going to do it all. And he turns to this man and says, listen, okay, you're going to follow me. Here's, the, here's some things you need to understand. Foxes have holes, birds have nests. I don't even have a place to lay my head down. Unless you're willing to walk with me on the mountain and in the valley, you're never going to make it. And that's what some of us are so frustrated with our walk with God today. Is because our life's not comfortable right now. We've got difficulties, frustrations, struggles. Come on, God, what are you doing? Don't you see us down here, the, us poor Christians, we're here trying to fight a, a win, unwinnable battle. And on top of that, you're not answering my prayers. What do you expect of me, God? I give you one day a week. I give you that day. I said it before, we want to we work part-time but have a full-time God. I know I'm not making friends today, but that's okay. Jesus is trying to help somebody. Because why? This is really a positive message, not a negative message. I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm trying to show you, realize you're missing out on something so great. Because you know what? If all you ever know of Jesus is what happens in services, you're missing the whole point. Because the greatest thing about Jesus is, is that when you wake up on Monday morning and you're in your bed and there's no, no keyboard, no guitar, no drums, no pulpit, no preacher, no sound, no lights, no cameras. It's just you and your bed. And you sit up. He's sitting right there saying, good morning. I've been waiting. And there's nothing greater than getting in the car on your way to work and not getting there alone, but having somebody right there with you. There's nothing greater than when you go to your bed at night and you lay down on your pillow and all of the world seems to crush on your shoulders. Right there with you on your hand on your shoulder saying, listen, I'm with you always. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I know it looks difficult, but I'm here right now. That's not simply a Sunday experience, but it's a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday and a Friday and a Saturday. There's nothing greater than being able to be in your own house with just you by yourself and being able to lift up your hands with nobody around and begin to magnify the name of Jesus. And in just a moment, be able to feel the presence of the almighty God. There's nothing greater. I'm thankful for being in a church with believers that love to worship, that love to praise, that love to sing. I love that. But there is nothing that can take the place of just me and Jesus alone all by ourselves and making the connection with him. thankful for what we do here. I'm thankful that we come together. I'm thankful that we worship together. I'm thankful for all that. I'm thankful for all that. But oh, if you've never experienced that outside of a group like this, if you've never experienced that, where you've just been sitting at home and all you just, you don't even know what to say. You don't even know how to say it. But all of a sudden, something just comes over you and just begin to say, Jesus, 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 
Jesus, Jesus. And you don't even know why it happened, but tears begin to swell in your eyes. Tears begin to flow. And all of a sudden, you feel this warmth that comes in the room, this warmth presence that begins to embrace you. And all you're doing is saying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. There's not a preacher. There's not a singer. There's not an usher. There's nobody around. It's you and him. But he said, just call my name. Just at the mention of my name. If you just speak my name. If you would just say my name, if you would call my name, I would be there. I'll show you something you've never seen before. I'll touch you in a way you've never been touched before. Yes, I want you to feel me. I want you to experience me here. But more than that, I want here to empower you to do it out there. I don't want everything. That's why when the that's why the Bible says we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We don't come to a temple. We are the temple. We have allowed this building to represent the presence of God. And if we could take the roof and the walls off this place, it would better describe to you understanding the presence of God because it's not defined to this room. But so many of us, our connection with him is based on what happens in this room. And I understand. I get it. There are some things that can take place in this room because of the atmosphere and, and the things that go on here. That can't happen other places. But that doesn't mean that God can't touch you. And so we see this man that says, listen, I'll follow you wherever you go. And he says, uh, I, don't, I don't know about that. And you go down a little farther. What was that verse? Go to 59. Go to Luke 9, 59. Let's try there. And here's another. And he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go bury my father. Next verse, Jesus responded back to him and says, let the dead bury the dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. You know what he was saying? He said, a lot of us are this way. God, I'll, I'll do what you want me to do. But first, I got this I got to do. First, I... I, I I, I got to get a degree. Yeah, first, I got to get a better job. First, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen talk to people that says, Preacher, you know what? I need to get my life straight. And when I get my life straight, I'm coming to God. That's like saying, you know what? I'm going to work out so I can be prepared to go to the gym. I'm not, I, I want to go to the gym, but I need to start working out now so then I can go to the gym. First, God, God, I, you know, I, I got stuff going on right now. I got some things. I got some difficulty. I got some stuff I got to take care of. I mean, come on, Jesus, back off, man. The guy's dead and died. Wow, man, come on. His dad had died. And he wants to go bury his dad. And Jesus looks at him and goes, let the dead bury the dead. Now, do I feel like Jesus was harsh? No. He was trying to make a point. That if you don't make that commitment, there's always going to be things that get in the way. There's always things that get in the way. There's always things that pop up that says, you know what, I, I got to take care of this. I got to take care. I got to pay this bill. I got to do this. I got to go here. I got to do that. Do this. Do that. Do this. Do that. And then I'll get my life. And there's always going to be something. If you don't finally say, you know what, now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. I'm making a commitment now. In this moment. 
now. Whoa, 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 first, I got it. Okay, I got, look, I'm coming, Jesus, I'm coming. You and me, we're going to have this tight relationship. We're going to be brothers and bond. We're going to be awesome. But I got to go bury my dad. He just died. Got to go bury him. You understand, right? You got to go bury, let the dead bury the, what? Because you know what? First day, you know, dad, I got to, you know, Jesus, I got to go bury my dad. Okay, Jesus, but I got to take care of my mom, make sure she's okay. You know, my, I got brothers and sisters. You got to make sure they're okay. I'll, I'll be there in just a little bit. You know, I got my own family, Jesus. I got to take care of them. I'm coming. He says, if you keep looking for this, it's always going to be things. And then here's the third. Next verse. So it's three, these three, three little fellas here. First one says, I'll go with you wherever you want. He says, foxes and birds, and I got nowhere to lay my head down. That guy backed off. This next guy said, look, I'll follow you, but I got to go bury my dad. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. And finally, the third guy shows up, says, Lord, I will follow thee. Another noble man, noble. But let me first, whoa, there it is. That right there sums up. I should have titled this living with a semicolon. I should, that's why I should have titled a message. Living with your semicolon. Because that's us right there. Lord, I will follow you. Semicolon. But. I'll give you what you want, but you got to give me what I want. Lord, I'll follow you. Semicolon. But. Let me first go bid them farewell. Which are at my house. Again, very noble sounding, right? That sounds so noble. Lord, I will follow thee, but I've got to go home and shake hands and hug necks and kiss everyone goodbye because I know if I follow you, I'll never see them again. And Jesus says to him the next verse, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. He said, I don't want a part-time follower. I don't want you to follow me half-heartedly always thinking about what you lost or what you've given up. He said, if you're going to follow me thinking about what you've given up, you're not going to last with me anyways. He said, nobody gets involved with something and then starts looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. There's so many of us that we come to God and boy, it's exciting. And all of a sudden, after a while, we start going back. But you know what? I can't do that. That's not it. All of a sudden now, we're just like this guy. We're no different. And we've allowed that semicolon to define our walk with God. God, I will follow you, but, but. I know you've heard this before, but allow me to use it again. Let's say you were out at the mall on a Friday night, walking around you and your family. You walked into one of the restaurants there at the mall, over sitting in the corner booth. I was sitting there. Across the table from me, there was a woman. She wasn't my wife. You saw that and you thought, wait wait a minute. I know him and I know his wife, but that's not her. And I don't think they're having a business meeting on a Friday night. And he walked over to me and says, uh, Joel, uh, 
what, what you doing here, man? I said, well, I'm out on a date. Um, excuse me? Yeah, I'm out on a date. Well, why, why are you out on a date? Well, I have this arrangement with my wife that, you know, I give her a few days a week. Outside of that, I can explore other relationships. You would say, does your wife know this arrangement? <laughs> sure, she's okay. Yeah. She's good with it. We've talked about this. She's okay if I go date other women during the week as long as I give her the weekend. She's okay with that. Your wife is okay with you dating other women as long as you give her the weekend. Of course, yeah, we are. Sure. If that really was the arrangement of our marriage, how many of you would look at that and go, boy, that's, that's pretty special? You would look at me and like, you guys have... First of all, there's not one woman in the world that would sign up for that. Because every woman in the world wants to feel like they're the only woman in the world. I mean, my, my wife wouldn't even be happy if I was in McDonald's with a man who looked like a woman. <laughs> there are plenty of them out there. <laughs> That would not be good. I mean, it's, hey, it's, it's, it's a rough world when you've got to look, 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 and then you still don't know. And then you have to say, what is that? What is that? I don't, and the worst part, and I've done this before, it, it, you just, you used to apologize. Now I don't even apologize. I, I, I've said, Yes, sir, and it wasn't a sir. I mean, I, I don't even say I'm sorry anymore. It's just like, look, if that's the way you want to look, I can't help it. I'm trying to be nice. Yes, sir. I'm like, okay, sorry, I missed that one. But she wouldn't even be happy if I was out with a man who looked like a woman because that's not a relationship. No woman would want that because every woman... Most women are jealous of relationship. Not in a bad way. They're jealous. They want to be that one. The Bible says he's a jealous God. Do you think he feels good? And I'm not trying to make you feel bad here today. I'm trying to maybe let some conviction come, but not condemnation. Do you think he's cool with the idea, I'll give you the weekends, me and you, Jesus. I'll put my ring on, get it on nice and snug, come in here, me and you. We got this relationship thing going on. We just so we're so close, but you know, Monday morning is coming. I, I gotta go. But we want him to be okay with that, and we define our Christianity by what we do, not who we are. Let's say that again. We've defined our Christianity by what we do, and not who we are. So we're okay with being a Christian on Sunday. But when it comes to Monday, Tuesday, God's got to be cool if I, you know, I got other things I got to do. I got other priorities. I got, and we're missing out. And why is this important, preacher? Why are you trying to tell me this? Because there's only 120 that got this revelation. 
Don't you, don't you, you know, give me some slack here. I'm, I'm, I'm here on a Sunday morning. Come on, give me some slack. There are 5,000 people. Let's be honest. Trish, would you come give them some hope? If I, if I walked up here today with a, with a value meal for McDonald's, a burger and a pile of fries, and all of you were hungry because you'd been sitting here for days, and I lifted that burger and fries up and said, I'm going to feed all of you with this. You would look at me like, really? And I said, bless this burger. Bless these fries. Multiply them. All of a sudden, bam, everybody got a burger. Everybody got fries. And when it's all done, we've got stacks of burger and stacks of fries. I know that sounds preposterous, but think about that. How crazy would that be? Wait a minute. There was one burger and one pile of fries. How in the world does everybody in here? I mean, come on, there's some of you. You can, one would not be sufficient. You might have to have multiple trips. And to have as much as, I know some of you, I'm going to come over here. I feel the Holy Ghost when I speak that over here in in these areas. Because some of you young guys can eat multiple. And you can eat multiple ones. And everybody can have what they want. And there'd still be left over. What kind of impact would that make on you today? I mean, come on. You do it anyways. You'd be on your phone and Facebook. And right now, you would not believe what happened at church today. Fries and burgers for everyone. It would have been just absolutely... You would think it would never, you would never be the same. I mean, what a life-changing experience to see that happen. But even that wasn't good enough to keep somebody. So you know what that is? You know what? I love today, and I, I mean this sincerely. Well, the Lord give me a message that would meet your need right where you are. You come up here, woo-hoo, Jesus is so good for me, woo. Walk out of here going, man, he has supplied my need. That's great. But guess what's going to happen tomorrow? You're going to wake up with a new need. Because every day you hit one down, it only means it makes room for another one to pop up. And you know what? If that's my existence with God, every Sunday becomes a desperation attempt to come to church to get that need met. Got to get the need met. Got to get that need met. And if God skips a Sunday, I'm messed up, man. What if we can just pull all that aside for a moment? Get right down into the middle of it all. To know that each one of us in here today has the opportunity to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He said this. Luke 9. Go back to Luke 9, 23 again. 923. 23. There you go. And he said unto them, if, what's that next word? Any man. Who does any man leave out? No man. The opportunity for relationship today is open to anybody in this room. The opportunity for a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is open to everybody in this room. If any man will come after me. 
Notice that. He didn't say if any man will let me get them. He said if any man will come after me. What does come after me imply? It implies action. What is action? It is faith. James says faith without works is dead. We say actions speak louder than words. The problem with those last three guys we read about is their words didn't match up with their actions. But he says, if any man will come after me, don't just tell me you're coming, but put some action in the come. Put some action in it. Don't just talk and say, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. Oh, what a, hold on. I'll be right there. I got to go take care of a few things. I got some stuff over here to do. Wait a minute. It's like I said this before. Stand up. So for a minute, it's like this. How many of you would believe me? I know this is funny. You've heard me say it before. I walk over to Brother Seth and say, man, I love you so much. Whap! No, I really love you, man. I really love you. Whoa. What do you think he would believe and you would believe? What I say or what I did? A lot of us here today say, you know what, I believe. I, I hear what you're saying, preacher. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow him. What time is it? i got to go. What time is it? What do we have to do today? What do you think he hears? Come on, folks. Can you really snowball God? He made the snowball. How can you snowball the one who made the snowball? How can you? Can you really fool him? Apparently we think we can. God, you know, I'm going to do it, Lord. I'm going to. But our actions don't match up with our saying. He said, leave that up there. If any man will come after me. Let me ask you today, this very first Sunday morning of 2016. Three days ago, the clock rolled over and we all had a brand new start. 2016, new year. New mindset, new outlook, new vision. 2015, in the past, 2016, I saw a shirt the other day that said, this is my year. I don't know if it's my year or not. But I know one thing. 2016, let it be the year of relationship. Why don't you make up in your mind, you know what, Lord? If you don't do anything in my life this year to supply any need, I want to find you and know you in a greater way. I want to reach in my pocket today, Lord, and take out that eraser. Reach up into that contract I wrote with you and erase the colon, the semicolon out of my life. I will follow you, period. I'm going to take the semicolon out of it today, Lord. I will follow you, period, end of sentence. I will follow you, but, I will follow you, but, no, 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 no. I will follow you, period. It would sound funny today if I, if, if you heard me officiate a wedding, I'm trying to close, please. The Lord is, I'm not trying to belabor this today for the Holy Ghost. But it'd be very strange today if you saw me, you were sitting out there in the audience had the groom on my left, the bride on my right, opened up the book with the vowels, and I began to say to the, to the groom, would you repeat these words after me? All the things that are listed in the vowels of a wedding. And before 
I'd said anything, I turned to the bride and I said, okay, now, uh, which one of these uh, vows would you like to eliminate? Which one of these would you like to keep? Which ones are convenient to you? Which ones do you think are going to be too difficult for you to, to abide by? You look at me and go, what kind of wedding is this? Because, I mean, come on, you say, in sickness and in health. I mean, you're talking about it. good times and the bad times, the sunshine and the rain, full pockets, empty pockets. That's what you say when you commit to relationship and marriage because you're committing not to the situation, you're committing to the person. And when I commit on my relationship with God, I'm not committing to a relationship based off of every need being met, every prayer being answered, but I'm committing to a relationship because I want to know Him. I don't want to be the 5,000. I don't want to be the 4,000. I don't even want to be the 500, but I want to be that 120. Do you know who was a part of that 120? John. Why was John in that 120? Because John got so close to him, he laid his head on his chest. He was so intimate with Jesus. Who are the other men in there? The men who slept with him or walked with him. Did they have difficulties? Absolutely. I mean, they had boat accidents and famine and all kinds of stuff happened in their life. Wasn't they had a perfect world, but they had a connection with Jesus on a personal level. Some of you in here today, you come every week. You've been professed to have the Holy Ghost. You've been baptized. But you don't have a true personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And if that's the case here today, five years from now, you may not be here. Not because you're not a good person. But because somewhere along the way, if you don't connect with Jesus and you connect with the church, I, I hate to bring this up because I know for some of us it's very sensitive and I don't mean to I, I don't I don't mean to bring it up in a sensitive subject but I thought it was very powerful I read a story of a man recently who was speaking about his daughter she grew up in church and uh, when she got older she decided to turn away from God. And I know a lot of you parents who've experienced this, you question things, you question yourself, you question, I make a mistake, do all this. And, and, and there's a lot of things you go through mentally. But this is the statement he made about himself in his situation. He said this about his daughter. He said this, we raised her in church, but we didn't raise her in Christ. We raised her in church, but we didn't raise her in Christ. We let her experience church, have experiences based around church, but we didn't let her experience Christ. He said, church became an inoculation to her. She had enough to become immune to the move of God in her life. And she was able to step away and not look back. 
We raised her in church, but we didn't raise her in Christ. We take that to a bigger scale today, and it's quiet in here, and that's okay. I feel the Spirit of the Lord in this place. There are a lot of us that go to church, but we don't go in Christ. Don't be someone today that's a churchgoer. You go to church? Yeah, I'm a churchgoer. I go to church Sundays. I'm not a churchgoer. I don't go to church because that's what I do. I go to church because I am. I challenge someone today. I say this and I, I... there's, 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 there's two sides of the coin here today. I feel in my spirit, two sides. There's some of you that you feel like you've been beat up today. Can't help that. There's some of you that have been convicted. Praise God for that. Some of you that are going to leave here today feel like, well, that was just an arrogant message. Some of you are going to leave here today going, thank you, God, for challenging me. Why? Because I'm looking for someone, not me. I'm afraid that the Holy Ghost is looking for somebody here today that's willing to make a fresh commitment to him. They say, Lord, I will follow you. Because the cry in the spirit today is, follow me. If we're just a church of fans, we won't reach this world. There'll be people that will drive by here by the thousands every day, won't even pay attention to what's happened up here. But if we become a a group of followers. Notice this. Thousands of fans couldn't change the world. But 12 men who were followers were said to be the ones who turned the world upside down. That's the difference between a fan and a follower. A fan... Woo! Put the team colors on. Yeah, 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 yeah. But when the game's not playing, we're not cheering. But a follower, a follower that connects with Jesus can turn the world upside down. If you would this year make it in your commitment to become a follower of Jesus and have a relationship with Jesus, there would be such a spirit of influence that would come over you for your family, on your job, everywhere you went, there would something would transpire in your life that would change you forever if you would do that. I know this is very difficult. I know I've gone for a while and I apologize if I've gone beyond your ability to listen. And I don't mean that negatively. I know sometimes we can be labor, but I've tried my best today to follow the Holy Ghost. But I wonder if there's anybody today that would be willing. And I don't do this to follow tradition. I'm trying to do this to obey what the scripture says. If any man will come after me. Is there anybody today that you'd be willing to get out of your seats? come down here not to kneel but to come down here and make a refresh brand new commitment to a relationship with Jesus Christ maybe you maybe you feel like well you know what I don't know if there's anybody in here today that really can say that your relationship with God is absolutely the best it can be all of us have things in us that can change that we can do but I wonder if there's anybody that will commit not just to say Lord I'll follow you wherever you go but there are people in this room that say Lord I'm not just going to say it But by your grace today, I'm going to do it. Maybe you don't have a relationship with God, but you want to start it today. Maybe you've never had a relationship with God, but maybe today you want to start that relationship and say, God, 
I want to start to this year brand new with you and me. Come on, that's it. Just come talk to Jesus. Would you do that? Maybe you don't know what to say. Pray in the Spirit. Maybe you just simply just say, say Jesus. Jesus, come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. Just make a fresh commitment. Say, Lord, the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. God, I want to. My heart wants to. I desire. I desire, but Lord, I, I, you know my flesh. You know the things in me, God. The stumbling blocks in my life. You know what? You commit to Him and let Him take care of the rest. You give God an opportunity, God will take care of the rest. You give God an, an opportunity, He can handle every situation, every difficulty. But He's just looking for somebody. Would you follow me? Is there anybody today that will follow me? Is there anybody who will follow me? If any man would follow me, if any man, if any man would come after me, follow me. Any man would come after me. Oh, I pray now in the name of Jesus. I lose a hunger in this place. I lose a fresh wave of the hunger of the Lord in this place. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I bind every spirit of doubt. I bind every spirit of blindness, every spirit of religious tradition. I bind it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I lose a fresh spirit of hunger. I lose a fresh spirit of faith and hunger to rise up in the hearts and minds of your people today, Jesus. Oh, I lose it now in Jesus' name. Rise up faith. Rise up hunger. Rise up hunger. Come on, say that as a prayer. Lord, let a fresh hunger arise in me today. Let a fresh hunger rise in me today. Don't let me become complacent. Don't let me fall into the trap of religious tradition. But let there be a fresh hunger in my heart today. Oh, that's it. That's it. Yes, 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 that's it, just tell them, just tell them, what do you want me to do, preacher, nothing, just tell them, say, Lord, my desire is to follow you, let a hunger rise up in your people today, Lord, to know you in a greater way, to see you in a greater way, to find you in a greater way. No turning back. No turning oh, 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 yes. I have decided. I have decided to follow, to follow Jesus. Jesus. I have decided. Oh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But by your help and grace, God, today I'm given a fresh commitment. I'm taking the semicolon out of my life. I will follow you. I will follow you. I will follow you. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Oh, Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided. Follow Jesus, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back, 
You know what the great part the great part about following Jesus is that as simple as it sounds he wants what's best for you yes, he does. even when you don't even know what's best for you just recently over the last six weeks literally last six weeks my wife and I had some major decisions we had to make some things that really, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't earth-shaking, but there were big decisions we needed to make about our family, about some things that we were going to be involved in or do, whatever. And we don't make any decision without the Lord's direction. And it's a very strange feeling to have direction in your spirit, but disagree with it in your mind. And we prayed, and the Lord gave us direction. And we follow that direction. But the whole time we're thinking, this has got to be wrong. There's no way this can be right. And every time we prayed about it, the Lord gave us the same direction. And every time we're thinking, okay, man, did we miss it? This has got to be wrong. This is no way this can be the right decision. And can I tell you that that one decision literally made a connection to at least four other major events that took place that if we wouldn't have had to make that decision, when I say we'd have had a mess on our hands, we'd have had a mess on our hands. Why do I say all that? I said this because if my relationship with God is based off what I do here, then I go out, I just make my own decisions based off what I feel. That's why people get themselves in messes. That's why some of you are in the mess you're in right now. Not to be negative, because you made the decision. I'm not saying every time you make a decision with Jesus, it makes it perfect. But I'm telling you this, if you let him make the decision, he'll never let you down. It may not understand it in the moment, but when you look back on it and you, and you realize, he always makes the perfect decision. Why is that important? Because if you don't have a relationship with him, you won't trust him to direct your life. That's what we're talking about today. We're not talking about simply just being saved and making it to heaven. And you know what, preacher, you're telling me I'm going to have to suffer just to bear my cross. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm saying that to deny yourself is stop making the decisions your own. If I deny myself, that means I, I'm acknowledging I'm not in charge. He's in charge. But you know what? That's like having a computer problem and having the opportunity to call Bill Gates. I don't really know much about computers enough to fix them. But if I had the opportunity to call someone who built them, man that's awesome instead of you trying to figure out your own life he's the one that created your life if you've got a relationship with him he is able to direct your path and there's some of you that are in the midst of making major decisions right now in this moment major life-changing decisions and if you don't have a relationship with god 
You can't trust the decision you're making. But if you know Him, and it's not simply based off a preacher or a singing song or a church, but you know Him, and you can speak to Him, and He speaks back to you, and He can direct your life, I'm telling you, He never misses. Never misses. Can you just tell Him one more time, say, Lord, in your own way, say, Lord... I don't know how to do this. I, I don't even understand where to start. But Lord, my desire is to give up control. Let you be in charge. I know, Lord, sometimes I feel like that is harder to do than it seems. But God, that, I want you to know today that's the desire of my heart. That's the desire of my heart. Can you just tell them that one more time before we close? Let's sing this as a prayer before we close. Decided to follow Jesus. I have decided. Oh, to follow. I have decided. To follow. To follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. No turning back. Sing this part. Though none, though none go with me. Can you sing that? Though none go with me. Turning back, no turning back. No turning back. Jesus, you told us you knew our framework. You knew that we were just dust. Lord, you know our difficulties. You know our shortcomings. You know that the desire of our heart is sometimes trumped by the lust and the desires of our flesh. But God, standing here in this moment in your presence with our eyes close our hands are lifted as we spoke to you and prayed to you God I pray Lord that you would give us the grace we need to walk in you and Lord when we make mistakes and we will make mistakes Lord give us the courage the strength the faith to stand back up lift our hands and let your blood wash us so we can keep going but I pray Lord today that you would give every person under the sound of my voice a fresh revelation of relationship that it's not simply religion but it's relationship that you're not calling us to be a part of religion but you're calling us to experience a relationship I pray God today that there would be a burning desire in our heart that you would feel it all the way down to the core of our being the desire to have a relationship with you like we've never had before and for those of us that already have a relationship I pray God that you would spark it in us to go deeper, stronger, farther in you find you and see you like never before that we can be like Job that said Lord that we've seen we've heard about you but now we've seen you with our own eyes God let it not just be a rumor anymore but let it be an experience that we've had for ourselves I pray all these things I speak all these things in Jesus name can we just thank the Lord one more time can we thank him praise God praise God
Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you again for your attentiveness, for, for being patient with me and patient with the Holy Ghost. God bless you. If you're able to come back tonight, be with us at 6 o'clock. We'd love to have you. God bless you.